0: and welcome to this week in Nickelodeon history. My name is Captain Eric. Welcome aboard. And I'll be covering some Nickelodeon anniversaries that have happened in between the times of June 12th to June 18th. But before we get into the anniversaries, I do want to say that this is the very first podcast that I am recording in my new home. I am still in the process of moving, so it isn't 100%. Uh, In fact. I am in a very unorthodox position of recording this podcast, not even in what, you know, will be my temporary office while the new office is being built downstairs. I'm in a kitchen. So certainly not the the most ideal recording space, but it honestly could be worse. So a, a kitchen is not too bad. This is also not the very first time I'm recording in a kitchen, but this is uh, this is new. This is fresh. This is a nice feeling. So even... Even when you're in a new place and you barely have any of your your belongings in there, you can just look around and you you get to kind of visually play where you're going to put your stuff and how things are going to look. And it's fun because even when your stuff is there, then you can almost like putting Legos together. You can mix and match and see what works, see what doesn't work and and settle in. So it's going to be, you know, the, the next few weeks, pretty much over the summer, It's going to be a nice little settle in process because as I mentioned, there's still more to be built in a in the basement part of the home, which will then be a more permanent, you know, office set up and will then kickstart more of a live stream, you know, process with you guys over on YouTube, maybe other other services. But um, uh, YouTube is where I I interact with most of you guys. So that's where I think I'm going to be live streaming more from. But not, not that I can't start now, but my current setup that I've, I've been working with for the last, you know, year, year and a half really hasn't been ideal for live streaming. There was a point where live streaming was more of a possibility, and I was live streaming on Twitch at certain points in time, but it was not consistent. And if you're not going to be consistent with it, it's, you know, then it's almost just a hobby. Do it when you can. So... I do want to grow a little bit in that field. So once I'm able to kind of settle in and, and build off of that in a live stream setting, that, that will be then when I set off sail on, on that voyage. Until then, though, um, the podcasts aren't going to be affected. I'll, I'll record this thing in my car if I have to. Because making these shows, putting these little things together, it's something I enjoy doing. Um, and, and certainly, there is just so much more in the pipeline. Um, even the stuff that I'm just currently editing. Stay, stay tuned in July to the YouTube channel. Um, now, I know that this is this week in Nickelodeon history, but if you are joining us for the very first time and, and you're already hearing this three minutes and thirty seconds in, and where's the Nickelodeon history? Uh, I, I do tend to be a little bit more relaxed during this podcast compared to I'm Ready a SpongePod SquareCast, um, and and tend to at least be able to open up a little bit more about the personal life of Captain Eric. Because a lot of the Nickelodeon shows I cover, I, I tend to also have a lot of life experiences connected to because of those shows, and and I tend to delve more into my personal life here because of that than I do on I'm Ready, um, where, you know, hey, I do have experiences with SpongeBob, but they're only, you know, limited to that one show. So, this tends to be more of the podcast for me to open up a little bit more of my, my personal life on, open up the curtain a, a little bit, and I, I do hope one day as, as things go on, um, I I have more of my life I would love to open up about, which would necessitate a different medium for that, so there's honestly just that thought alone, and nothing else beyond that, so if if that tends to be another podcast or just live streams with fans or just anyone out there who you know wants to hang out or otherwise we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it but the bridge that we're currently at that I have stalled 5 minutes now of your time to get to but the the meat and potatoes of this podcast is some nickelodeon history and we are starting out 19 years ago with a Nickelodeon movie, a, a big one at that. It premiered June 13th, 2003, and I am talking about Rugrats Go Wild, the third Rugrats movie, uh, the, the first Nicktoon to reach uh, a trilogy, which, hey, was was not a surprise whatsoever given the fact that the very first Rugrats movie was the first non-disney animated film to cross 100 million dollars at the box office i i love that fact the rugrats were an absolute social and cultural phenomenon throughout the late 90s early 2000s so to pump out three movies not not that unexpected but unfortunately each movie did a little bit less than its predecessor or in this case i i think rugrats go wild um Did shockingly the least amount of of the Rugrats movies. It was made on a budget of $25 million and and only made $55.4 million at the box office. And beyond that, it certainly pulled in the worst reviews of any of the three Rugrats movies. Um, So in terms of box office numbers and critical numbers, it is the weakest of the three Rugrats movies. And, and I, you know what, I, I'm a fan here telling you, hey, my opinion is that it is the weakest of the three Rugrats movies, but, this is a asterisk I'll put on this, it, it's not a Rugrats movie. It's not just a Rugrats movie, because if you have no idea about Rugrats Go Wild, then let me clue you in on the information or the fact that this is a crossover with another Nickelodeon animated property, also created by the Klasky Chupo Animation Studio. That is, I'm talking about the Wild Thornberries. Rugrats Go Wild is a crossover between the Rugrats and the Wild Thornberries. And in all honesty, it is as fluffy as a crossover as you could get. It hits every little beat you could want with a crossover between the Rugrats and uh, and the wild thornberries. But the problem with that is you're just getting all of that fluff. And you know, when you just have too much cotton candy at the fair, you know, there's gonna come some negative side effects that, that happen with that. Now, if you're at the fair, you can be smart with your choices and and get something that might be a little bit sugary, but smaller so that you can also have something that's wildly creative and savory um you know like mac and cheese in a in a bread cone I don't know if you've if you've never seen the foods that they sell at the Big E which is a big like northeast festival up here that happens every every fall season look that up online look up the Big E and just look up some of the foods they have there and honestly I could be on the the most rigid Marvel-esque diet on the planet, and there's at least, like, one or two things at the biggie that are absolutely worth constituting a cheat day. Like a Dwayne the Rock Johnson-level cheat day. Anyway, I digress. Um, but once again, still, having too much of one good thing and and not at least getting something else into your system you know, can kind of hurt something. And you do get a little bit of that in the end, but it's not enough. Let's just quickly start. I'm going to spoil the Rugrats movie here, Rugrats Go Wild, very quickly. The The way that they get these two shows together is, well, with the Rugrats, they're mainly kept in California. And although the last movie brought them over to Paris, so there is that travel experience... Um, The the Rugrats, though, are, are mainly stationed in one place, whereas the Wild Thornberries can literally travel anywhere in the world. Their home has wheels on it. They could literally go anywhere. So instead of, you know, the easy answer here of getting these two characters together is bringing the Wild Thornberries to California and then writing your adventure off of that... They actually convince the other parents, well, Stu Pickles, at, at the heart of this, is, is uh, a part of the plot here. Stu Pickles convinces everybody that they're going to go on a cruise vacation. Everybody's on board. Awesome. I- including Susie, who gets to come along, not her parents. So it's all the Rugrats parents up to this point, point. and if you remember, Kimmy has been added to the cast, uh, and and Kira from in Paris, the last movie. So we, we have a bigger group here. And also Spike as well. They're bringing the dog. But when they show up at the docks to uh, board the cruise ship that they think they're going on, they end up getting sidetracked onto like a a cartoonishly hilarious boat that Stu has gotten as like a, as a way to show that he, you know... Is smarter than people give him credit for. Even though he's an inventor, they establish early on in the movie that he's he's feeling like people are not really like giving his smarts some credit and they're actually thinking down on him. So he's trying to earn himself some brownie points, but he shows up with like like if you watched a Popeye cartoon, this would be a, a boat that Popeye is is motoring. And uh and it's funny. And even though everybody is is clowning on Stu with what ends up happening, I, I gotta be honest with you. If you are a sane adult who has an infant child and you decide, yes, let's traverse, <laughs> <hold> on, <clears throat> Let's let's traverse the ocean on this boat. Um no, Stu is not at fault. You have to take some blame for that. I it is absolutely hilarious. You have to watch the movie to see this the the plot here i uh, you know what i mean maybe now that i'm thinking about it it's it's just so silly maybe they i'm fine the way it is but they end up all boarding this ship and as you can you know probably guess with this really cartoonishly small ship traversing the ocean they end up getting stranded on an island an island that also happens to be inhabited by the Wild Thornberries who happen to be shooting their wildlife show. And they establish early in the movie that the babies are massive fans of Nigel Thornberry and his uh, animal world, his his show. Which, you know what, I, I completely understand because I loved Steve Irwin as a kid and I, I had that admiration, as Tommy does, for Nigel Strawberry, as he calls him. Um, at this point, I'm not going to go every beat by beat of the movie but if you are a fan of both the Rugrats and the Wild Thornberries and you're like, OK, these two you know, shows, these two universes are in the same universe and these characters are meeting, what do you want to happen? Well, the first one is, well, with Eliza being able to talk to animals, what does Spike sound like? And then that, of course, we do get in the form of Spike sounding like Bruce Willis and having one of the sassiest attitudes of any character in either *Rugrats* and *The Wild Thornberries. it's it's a really fun time, but it's it's even when there's the danger of the wildcat, the the leopard. I, I don't know. It's just it's fluffy. I, you don't feel the same level of danger as, uh, and I don't mean fluffy as Angelica's cat. I'm just the like it's the cotton candy aspect I was mentioning. Um, but it, it you don't feel that same level of danger as the wolf of the first Rugrats movie. You know? You just know the characters are okay and it's just oh yeah, it, there's their nice song and dance. Um Angelica meets up with Debbie and, and they have a nice time. And then we we also get um Donnie and Chucky switching places and and okay, that's that's fun and whatnot. Everything culminates to what is an impressive third act. And I will give this credit that all three Rugrats movies, no matter what happens in the first and second acts, all of them have really intense third acts and they really know how to end off a movie here. Um, And I'm I'm not even going to spoil this one because it is a a very somber and special ending here. But you know what? What? I, I do feel like there could be more out of these two shows meeting, and and if this is, you know, the best that could be found, I I don't know. I I do think a, a second or third pass through, of of an idea of these two shows, could could find gold there. Um, and I, I think there also would be gold in including the Rocket Power Kids, in some aspect, and and just getting this whole Klasky Chupo universe going. And and why not just confirm monsters being real and then Chucky getting that vindication of, like, being right the entire time to be afraid of anything under his bed? That would be pretty funny, but that that's for another time. Uh, one thing about Rugrats Go Wild that I, I do remember, and this is just a special thing at the time, they had a promotion with Burger King. And I don't know if they did this around the world depending where you are, if you had Rugrats Go Wild released in theaters, if they had this kind of promotion somewhere. But they had this promotion at Burger King where in the kids' meals, they would give you um, tickets with little scratch-and-sniff areas with symbols on them that if you went to go see Rugrats Go Wild in theaters, little moments on the screen would pop up, like in the bottom right or bottom left of the screen, and it would just come up with the little symbol, and you were supposed to scratch and sniff your card. And uh, actually, let me let me look that up. There were some interesting uh, interesting smells on there, and they were really pushing it as like a new a new big theater experience that was gonna sweep the nation. Smellovision. Let me see. Rugrats Go Wild, smell vision card. I wonder, uh, I I remember going to Burger King, having this thing, but I don't know if I, I had mentioned already, I unfortunately did not see Rugrats Go Wild in theaters. It was being advertised to me, and for whatever reason, um, the Hey Arnold movie, the Wild Thornberries movie, Rugrats Go Wild, I just missed out on all of those. I just don't know if I, I didn't have somebody able to bring me to the movies at those times, if I didn't ask enough, um, but but I missed out. But I did find the card here. So the, uh, the six smells of this little Rugrats Go Wild card, um, and I was wrong about Burger King, although maybe it was handed out at Burger King. And yeah, all right, I wasn't wrong. So, hold on. Let me retract my retraction. I saw the first card that uh, came up on Google Images had a Blockbuster logo on it. And then the second one had Burger King. So it looks like you could get this ticket at multiple locations. But the six possible smells on this card were of a strawberry, of peanut butter, a flower, the odor of a foot, number five is a root beer flow, and number six is a fish. So those were six possible smells um, and it looks like it was not Smellovision, vision although that was a name for something at some point in time. I think Aromascope is, a, is another one. Either way, I, I think that's an interesting concept. I don't know. I, I thought, you know, as a kid, even when I saw that card, I was like, this is cool. I, I don't know why anyone couldn't bring me to see that movie. I'm not holding any grudges to anybody. I really, I can't tell you. Like I said, there's also a possibility. I just didn't even ask I didn't find the right moment to ask to go to the movies. That that is just a real possibility, but uh, I, I think this is a cool concept. If if you experienced Rugrats Go Wild with the Smello Vision or wherever it was called, the, one of those cards, let me know what you think of that experience. Was it something cool? Was it memorable? And also, I, this is interesting. I do see Nickelodeon Smellovision coming up as an advertisement here, but it looks like a totally separate thing. Um, but maybe they still use that branding there. Anyway, I also would like to know if there are any listeners. If you ever hear this and you are outside of the United States, did did you also experience those cards being sold at a at a specific location near you? I would be really interested to know if it was. A video rental store if it was like a blockbuster even you know because i know that they had those around in different countries but yeah even if you didn't get the card and didn't go see rugrats go wild but you remember remember that being handed out uh, somewhere that that would be really interesting to know uh but yeah rugrats go wild at the end of the day though is a really big experience it deserved the theatrical treatment and honestly, even if the box office wasn't, oh my God, this was the biggest thing ever, um, I, I really wish that later crossovers they would would have released in theaters because if not the first Jimmy Timmy Power Hour, that second one should have uh, should have been a theatrical movie as a sequel to Jimmy Neutron, and then to at least give the Fairly Odd Parents one theatrical outing, as uh, there was supposed to be one I think near the year two thousand three, two thousand four. And Butch has talked about it, but never really any plot points. uh, But beyond the fact that at one point, Paramount Pictures was interested in in adapting the Fairly Odd Parents in some way. But if you haven't seen Rugrats Go Wild, I do highly recommend it. I highly recommend the entire Rugrats trilogy. Give them a watch if you can from beginning to end. And hey, I know if you don't want to pay for any streaming service out there, the Rugrats trilogy was recently released on Blu-ray for a, a decent price. I think I got it for even just 20 bucks. And let me tell you, the first thing I did is I went, I, I popped in the very first Rugrats movie to double-check to see how the color correction was on the Blu-ray. And let me tell you, I have not seen that movie with those colors since it was on the big screen. It is well worth your money, and I, I can't recommend it enough. Rugrats Go Wild was directed by uh, Norton Virgen, John Eng was written by Kate Butelier and was based, of course, on the Rugrats created by Arlene Klasky, Gabar Chupo, and Paul Germain, while the Wild Thornberries were created by Arlene Klasky, Gabar Chupo, Steve Pepoon, David Silverman, and Steven Sustarstick. 17 years ago, on June 15, 2005, CatDog finished its run on Nickelodeon. Created by Peter Hanna, CatDog ran for four seasons of 68 episodes. CatDog first premiered on April 4th, 1998 and was a massive Nicktoon upon its arrival. I remember the promotional campaign for this cartoon and just on arrival, um, the immediate just sight of that design. You just went, oh my God, that is pure Nickelodeon all over it. It is it is like they just connected Ren and Stimpy together, and they just boom here's a show, and that's nothing on the characters themselves. Cat is is the sophisticated one in this scenario, and Dog is is dimwitted. Um, but the energy that the show gave off because when they showed off promotional material for this show, it wasn't just you know Cat and Dog sitting on a couch. Oh, ha ha, they're connected. Oh, they would show off how just wacky and just Tom Jerry-ish this show would get with how stretchy and contorted Cat-Dog would become, how Dog would chase a garbage truck throughout Nierberg and and just smack Cat in every wall and and corner and car that they were passing by. And and there was so much energy that you got out of these characters that um, they were irresistible to not fall in love with out of the gate. Um, I like I said, there was just something about that show that when they the second you saw those characters, you went, "Welcome home, you you belong here. You don't belong anywhere else. You belong here, and you can feel it." And when it comes to feelings and cat dog, let me tell you, um, in this past week, they have since added voice acting onto Nickelodeon All Star Brawl, and so yeah, that's that's worth bringing up into this week in Nickelodeon history. And what was great is that they were able to get almost every single voice actor to come back to reprise their Nicktoon. And going through, I, you know, I, I didn't just want to play the game. I wanted to sift through and listen to every single voice line. I'm just that much of a Nickelodeon nerd here. And when I got to Cat as I don't know if it was just the, the sound editing. They didn't want Dog to sound too much like Spongebob. Or just Tom Kenny can't get that kind of, um, you know, height in his voice for dog or something. But dog sounds off. But it was Jim Cummings absolutely nailing Cat and hearing these lines again of a character that I haven't heard of in in so long. In 17 years, I haven't heard Cat. And here he is. And I, not, I'm not saying I cried, but internally it brought out that nostalgic feeling of like, wow, this feels really good, and uh, and it was a nice feeling, and uh, and I just, I love these characters, I love Cat Dog, and I'm shocked, I am shocked that, uh, they're not really touching this property. I don't know if if Peter Hanna is just solely not interested in doing anything with cat dog ever again or if nickelodeon has just never approached but look uh, a proper a proper new special of cat dog needs to be made and you know what the parent answer might need to happen sooner rather than later i kind of still want to know how they came to existence or what their parent look parents look like uh the rest of their family not to judge the answer that we did get in the show, and we'll get to that later on in, you know, Captain Eric's top five. But I just feel like we deserve more cat dog. I like that we here's the thing. There was one quote that I saw involving cat dog that had to do that it was just it was like another take of of Looney Tunes for a new age. And I I thought about that and I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You know what? I never really thought of cat dog in the same vein as as Looney Tunes in the way that it was animated, I always saw it with Ren and Stimpy. And the more I thought about that, I, I see something like new Looney Tunes on HBO Max and how we're giving a whole new crop of animators the time to replicate an original style of animation. And I'm thinking, we could do this with cat dogs still. Like, even if we're using computers, we could still make it look. You know that same level of kinetic energy that it had back in 1998 and up to 2005, and I can tell you Jim Cummings can still bring it as cat, and I think maybe Tom Kenny just needs a little bit more work on dog. But I would just love to see more Cat Dog. If you have never seen Cat Dog, stay tuned for my top five. I will go over my top five Cat Dog episodes for you. Uh, those will be the ones that I, I think that are worth checking out. If you've never seen the show. Sixteen years ago, on June 16th, 2006, one of my favorite Nickelodeon movies ever premiered in theaters. It is the one, the only, Nacho Libre, directed by Jared Hess and starring Jack Black. The movie was made on a budget of $35 million and grossed $99.3 million. And beyond my biased love of Jack Black and wrestling, I will tell you that even beyond those, what you will find is an endearing story, an underdog story of a man still trying to find his place in this world and achieving his goals at, at every single cost. And, uh, and it's a beautiful story. I, I, I just, I love it. I've watched it a thousand times. I love, and I will say, I, I do have a bias on Jack Black. I absolutely love Jack Black, and I do love wrestling. So the fact that this merges those two together, also being directed by Napoleon Dynamite's Jared Hess, he's the man who directed and essentially created Napoleon Dynamite and brings a little bit of that energy over here to Nacho Libre. It's, it's indistinguishable. But if you have never seen Nacho Libre, go out of your way and watch it. The only way I would say don't watch this is if you really have a dislike of Jack Black, Uh, and I know those people are out there, they exist, and you're allowed to exist, you're allowed to have your opinions. If you don't like professional wrestling or Lucha Libre, but also don't make yourself known, just keep those opinions to yourself, but if you don't fall in either of those camps and you have never seen this movie, go out of your way to watch Nacho Libre. And if you have seen this movie, go out of your way to watch... Nacho Libre. 13 years ago, on June 12, 2009, Imagine That was released in theaters. Of course, it was a Nickelodeon movie directed by Carrie Kirkpatrick and written by Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson. The movie is starring Eddie Murphy, Thomas Hayden Church, and Nicole Ari Parker. It was made on a budget of $55 million, and it... Wow. Took in a box office of 23 million. This is a box office bomb. Boy, another one here for Eddie Murphy, which I, I gotta say, what happened? I don't know. I don't know why collectively we just turned on any Eddie Murphy because on the other on the opposite end of the coin, his voice was doing massive numbers with Donkey in the Shrek series. We we loved Eddie Murphy and Shrek, but for some reason, all of his live action movies at this certain point in time, no one was going to see. There's of course the 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 adventures of Pluto Nash in two thousand two. But then, you know, you can follow a few myriad of of just mediocre to then complete failures theatrically for the guy, and I, I just don't think it was it was fair. Maybe some of these movies just weren't Uh, advertised to the right people or just advertised in the right way Um, but it wasn't his only bomb because I believe it was right after meet Dave in 2008 which this goes right back around and and this is why you need to trust Captain Eric sometimes because meet Dave was directed by Brian Robbins the current president and chief executive officer of paramount pictures and nickelodeon yes that brian robbins directed meet dave hi brian my name's captain eric appreciate your work uh i do you know hey, look hey no bias here i do recommend seeing meet dave if you are into sci-fi it is an interesting film um i i love eddie murphy he is just, and Elizabeth Banks is also in that movie too, and I, I'm a big fan of hers as well. Uh, as far as Imagine That, I uh, can't say that I've seen it. But if you have, and you think it's worth going out of one's way to watch, certainly let yourself be known. Let me know what you think of Imagine That. Uh, should, should I watch it? I do love Eddie Murphy, so my foot is in that door. I just need a, a little bit of a push to go in. Let me know. Uh, but one day later, on June 13th, 2009... 13 years ago, the Naked Brothers Band finished its run on Nickelodeon. Created by Polly Draper, the show ran for three seasons of 37 episodes, including five specials. Uh, I've mentioned before, the show just wasn't really for me at the time of its release. I was starting to get out of some of the live-action offerings of Nickelodeon, and a kind of mockumentary-style game. Uh, TV show about a really young kids band isn't going to be for me. But even though it might not be for me, this was certainly a hit for the Nickelodeon audience at the time because it ran for a a big three seasons there. And it started out with a, a movie of itself, a mockumentary style movie that premiered on January 27th, 2007, 11 years ago on June 18th, 2011, the mighty bee finished its run On Nickelodeon, created by Amy Poehler, Cynthia True, and Eric Weiss, the show ran for two seasons of 40 episodes. Uh, The one thing I will say about The Mighty Bee is if you are a fan of Amy Poehler and her work, definitely give this a watch because she put a lot of, of what she brings to the table into her performance. Of of Bessie Higginbottom and just it's all about Bessie in this show and a lot of it is just all Amy Poehler so if you were a fan of hers and you've never seen this give The Mighty Bee a watch that's that's who I can really recommend the show to uh, other than that I do think it's a fine Nicktoon I haven't sat down and watched through it in full um, but if you're a fan of The Mighty Bee as usual let me know what you think nine years ago on June seventeenth two thousand thirteen House of Anubis finished its run on Nickelodeon. Wow, they're they're dumping a lot of shows in the June months, huh? Uh, Created by Hans Borlin and Gert Verhulst, hope I said that correctly, the show ran for three seasons of 190 episodes, including a 90-minute TV special. I did not get into House of Anubis, but I felt that it was a big deal. From the fact that they were just promoting this constantly, and there there were kids at the time I was teaching some after school programs, and there were kids that were really interested in House of Anubis, so they were talking about it. So, uh, let me know what you think about this. It, it feels like it's a bingeable show. If there's a lot of mystery and intrigue, and and I'm really into that, but I don't want soft stuff. I don't want just like softball twists. But if there's something really good here, I, I might be interested to, to really go down the House of Anubis. Seven years ago, on June 15th, 2015, Fresh Beat Band of Spies premiered on Nickelodeon on its Nick Jr. portion. But created by Nadine Vanderveeld and Scott Kraft, the show ran for one season of 20 episodes. And it is an animated spinoff of the Fresh Beat Band. A show also created by Nadine and Scott, which took the main characters of the Fresh Beat Band, which was a live-action band of adults, and made them into animated versions of themselves, but also as spies going, I, I guess, on missions, or at least I hope so, given the fact that they're spies, but they are also a band so they, they got to keep that element uh, active there uh, of course keeping music alive for, for kids and of course that that is smart going from one live action show and then hey if you know we got to make a a spin off let's just make an animated version of that and and wouldn't you know wow here's another one right out of the woodwork a show that finished its run 4 years ago on June 14th 2018 the adventures of kid danger uh, a show created by uh D Schneider there for one season and 12 episodes which just perplexed me they made an animated version of Henry Danger while Henry Danger was still airing um i i just don't know why i've I- <laughs> I I, have, I I don't know why. Why would you do that? It's it, it feels like it's oversaturation, and I think that's why this show only ran for 12 episodes. Um, My only other real complaint is just the animation for The Adventures of Kid Danger is just not the nicest to look at, and coming from Nickelodeon, you would expect a, a little bit, but I, I just... Don't know that it was. Uh, I don't know if it was maybe meant for anything bigger. Or if they knew that this was going to be just a short, small project, and that was it. But if they really, you know, if, if Nickelodeon executives really thought, man, an animated Henry Danger is would work really well, I think they should have waited until the show ended. Yes, obviously, but then put some power and some, you know, impressive animation behind it. Look at what Marvel's doing with "What If"? Do that with Henry Danger. I don't know. That that's at least I, what I would have done in that scenario. But uh, but yeah, the nothing to disparage the adventures of Kid Danger. If you're a fan, definitely no offense. For me, it's it's just more of a timing thing. Why it's going back to that Rugrats Go Wild scenario? Too much of the same thing. All that cotton candy. All that. That content of Henry Danger, The Adventures of Kin Danger, and the, at the same time, uh, yeah, a little, little bit too much. A little bit too much overkill. Three years ago, on June 15th, 2019, the revived All That premiered on Nickelodeon, created by Mike Tolan and Nickelodeon's president, Brian Robbins. All That is a sketch comedy program, essentially SNL aimed towards a younger audience. And being that it was a revived show, well, when did that original show premiere? All the way back on April 16th, 1994, and it ended its initial run in 2000 before being relaunched for the first time in 2002, took a two-year hiatus, and took a three-year run, ending that run on October 22nd, 2005, before laying completely dormant until 2019 and only running one season ending on December 17th, 2020. Now, I did see a lot of footage of the revived all that, and I gotta say, there there was some things to be found here. Now, am I gonna sit back and watch every episode of the new all that and sit through them? I, I'm a bit of an older audience here, and, and I know that a lot of the characters they bring back are definitely skewed towards my direction, but let me tell you, if I had kids you know, that we're of age to watch all that and appreciate it. And this was on at this time. I would absolutely want to watch every episode with them. I would love to see those moments and be involved with, Oh my God, detective Dan's daughter. And here's edit Goodberger again. And I would love that. But then with, without having that kid and having that experience, I'll just, I'll watch those clips on YouTube. Um, but I, I really thought the new cast, there was a lot of energy there. There was some really good cast members. And it's a it's a real shame that they weren't able to keep this going. Because I, that analogy that I mentioned at the beginning here of all that being, you know, SNL aimed at a younger audience, there's something smart about that. There's something to that. And it can almost be uh, a bit of a feeder system to SNL. Although for that to be the case, I think they would have to have a, a bit more of an older cast set. But, you know, bring back all that with maybe an older cast, not not adults, but just the teenage cast. And, you know, maybe have that on Saturday nights right before SNL in, in a SNCC type style lineup. And, and that could be another way for all that to get kind of over with the crowd. That, that could be a way because I still think sketch comedy aimed at younger kids. there There is a crowd for that because even if they might not be tuning in on Nickelodeon Live, those clips serve a purpose on YouTube the mornings after. I mean, look at SNL. Think about how many clips go viral on Sunday morning from an episode that maybe not everybody watched on Saturday night. So that, that same deal could happen with all that um, but it's still worth going out of your way to look up any kind of sketch from any era of all that. Dive on in. Just There was a lot of uh, redos in the revival season of classic characters. Any of those I recommend, but just if you don't know where to go and you feel like there's just a lot, just stick with the classic Good Burger sketches. Go with any Good Burger sketch. It's going to be a good time. Now it's time for Captain Eric's top five of the week with my top five cat dog episodes for you to watch with an honorable mention going to cat dog and the great parent mystery season four, episode one, two, and three. It's a basically a three parter here in which you find out that it's not really cat dogs parents, but at least two characters who raised cat dog from their infancy to their adolescence was an abominable snow woman and a frog voiced by Billy Bob Thornton. Um, yeah. Yeah. Watch that episode and, and tell me it's not a good time. Uh, number five, season three, episode 13, Do-Wop Diggity, in which Winslow puts together the ultimate doo wop team of Cat Dog and their rivals, the Greasers. And it's just it's a fun episode in which the rivals all get to put down their fists, stop fighting each other and they they bring together harmony that actually works, and the the song they come together with is actually kind of catchy. I like it, and the story there is actually really nice. There's a there's a nice love they they're able to find with one another, in their music, and and I enjoy this story. Number four, Cat Dogs End, Season One, Episode Twelve, in which Cat truly pushes Dog to the to the idea that they really need to split and give each other, you know, proper uh, buttocks so that they can live normal lives. And while Cat is, is able to, to find himself a, a normal tail, it ends up being attached to what is going to be Dog's new cat half, Randolph, one of my favorite side characters in Cat-Dog. And of course, Cat gets jealous and and doesn't, you know, decide to go through with it in the end. Uh, hilarious nonetheless, Number three, The Island. Season one, episode two A, in which Cat Dog gets stuck on a, on a roundabout island. You know, if you go around a rotary, there's that little bit of land in the middle, and the traffic is going around so fast that Cat Dog has no escape for seemingly days and have to make do on this little plot of land and make a, a paradise out of their out of their new home. It's a great episode. I love it. Number two is Fetch, Season 2, Episode 1, the third third half of Episode 1. Uh, but this is not a normal episode. Fetch is actually a theatrical short that preceded the Rugrats movie on November 20th, 1998, before it eventually premiered a part of the second season on February 15th, 1999. Uh, there is no denying Fetch being a theatrical short. I mean... You try to watch this thing, and it was certainly made with an animation budget for theaters in mind. You can just clearly tell there is a higher level of animation here, and I love it. It's it's essentially a glimpse as to what Cat Dog would have looked like on the big screen if they were ever given a Cat Dog movie. Uh, but it is as classic of a of a Cat Dog short that you could show someone, and and it would be my my number one short to go to to show someone who doesn't know about CatDog, if it wasn't for the fact that one of the first episodes already did that perfectly, with my number one choice, my number one CatDog episode, Season 1, Episode 2, All You Can't Eat. This is just my favorite CatDog episode, and it also is the one episode I would show someone who wasn't a fan or didn't know about CatDog. It shows enough about who Dog is, who Cat is, we get all that rancid rabbit ruining their taco plans and just from top to bottom it's an absolutely wonderful cat dog story if you have never watched cat dog that is certainly the one episode i would tell you to watch followed by fetch um but you know if you don't want to sit through an entire episode fetch i believe is a lot shorter so i would say go with that one but um, I love all of CatDog. It had an incredible run on Nickelodeon, and they left a mark that is, is just unforgettable. CatDog is a character that everybody knows, whether you're old, you're young, you're, you're middle-aged, every, like that character, that design is unforgettable. Thank you, Peter, Hannah, and all of those who worked on the show. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that is This Week in Nickelodeon History. We did have a little bit of an extra longer episode. I, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did because cause I do enjoy making uh, the longer episodes. I enjoy sitting here and talking with you guys. And if you would like to reach out with me, you can. If you would like to send me any Nickelodeon comments, questions, if you would like to know any of my opinions on anything Nickelodeon-related or you know Viacom Paramount-related, you can send me an email at nickelodeonhistory at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at I'm Ready Podcast. I'm I'm really active on Twitter. I'm always replying. I'm always uh, socializing with with all you guys. So uh, Twitter's really good. And then you can find me on Instagram at Spongebob Podcast. Boom, Spongebob Podcast. That's the official Instagram for Captain Eric. Please check out my other podcast, I'm Ready a squarecast dropping every Wednesday on most conceivable podcast platforms. And don't forget to subscribe to Captain Eric on YouTube, where you can also remember to hit that bell, where you can be notified anytime the captain puts anything out, including some fantastic video content that I am just over the moon excited for you guys to see. It is coming in July, I promise. Right after I finish recording this, I'm going back to editing it, so it's not even anything that's just like a pie-in-the-sky idea. No, no, this is recorded and finished, so please be prepared for that. Subscribe to Captain Eric on YouTube and hit that bell for notifications. You can also purchase new and updated merch at the Redbubble link either in the podcast description or in the link from any of my socials. Anything that comes in monetarily to Captain Eric from my projects, Go right back into my projects. That uh, That is all I'm interested in, is doing this, being here, and being with you guys. I appreciate you all immensely. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. As always, please stay safe, be kind to one another, and come aboard again to another This Week in Nickelodeon History. On the Lord, hurt, hero, hurt. Nick. On the Lord, hurt, hero, hurt. Nick, Nick.
1: On the Ricky while living number one, Nickelodeon.